Season 2 of Acts of Gluten-Free Chef Podcast is brought to you by Calvin Eaton, founder and editor-in-chief of the Gluten-Free Chef blog, an online health and wellness community dedicated to providing you with relevant, up-to-date information on how to live a happy, healthy, and safe gluten-free lifestyle. The Gluten-Free Chef blog also provides meal plans, recipes, and other health-related articles tailored to those living with celiac disease and those living with chronic autoimmune illnesses. To learn more, visit theglutenfreechefblog.com or like us on Facebook at The Gluten-Free Chef blog by Calvin Eaton, Twitter under Gluten-Free Chef 5, hashtag AskTheGlutenFreeChef, Instagram, or by emailing axthegluten-free-chef at gmail.com. Axe the Gluten-Free Chef podcast is found on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and is in a one-hour format, and we premiere every second and fourth Friday of each month. So without further ado, here's this week's episode of Axe the Gluten-Free Chef podcast. Hello and welcome to what will be the last episode of Season 2 of Act the Gluten-Free Chef Podcast. I am your host, Calvin Eaton, and I have joined with me for this um, episode, Sabrina DeVos. Um, hi, Sabrina. How are you? Hi, Calvin. I'm good. Good. Um, Sabrina is um, a very special um, person um, that I've connected with over the last couple years, and this is actually um, what will be the second time that we've actually recorded an episode of the podcast. Our first episode, you've never heard, those of you who are listening, because um, a few, back in, I think it was in the summer, right? I can't remember when we recorded, Sabrina, but... I think it was um, in, like, August. Yeah, long story short, um, that was when I was very new at the podcast game and the software that I was using, um, I ended up... We recorded for about an hour, and I did not capture any of that of that recording. So it's been months of us trying to kind of reconnect so that we could get um, another episode recorded for all of you. But I'm really happy that Sabrina is with us for this episode because this episode will actually be um, the last um, guest co-hosted um, episode that we'll do for Season 2. Um, and I, I'm really happy that we're actually... Um, coming back together again, Sabrina and I, um, because it's a really special time um, really for the Gluten-Free Chef blog and brand um, and for Sabrina because Sabrina happens to be the founder of Celiac Strong Camp, which we'll talk um, quite a bit about um, throughout the podcast. Um, And I want Sabrina to kind of talk to the listeners about Celiac Strong Camp, um, which she founded um, for a Girl Scouts project that she did. And I think this is the third year of it. But, um, yeah. Sabrina, just go ahead and talk a little bit about Celiac Strong Camp, how how it started, how it came about, and kind of the upcoming registration for the 2016 season of it. Okay, yeah. Um, so I was attending a summer camp that had a gluten-free menu for, like, nine years, I think. And I aged out at age 16, and I knew how much it had impacted my life. So I wanted to bring it to kids closer to me because I know a lot of kids don't have the opportunity to travel as far as I did. Um, So for my Girl Scout Gold Award, 
we had to have a project that was like reoccurring and it has to like help your community. So I like the first thing that came to my mind was a summer camp for kids with celiac disease or like gluten intolerance. And um, a lot of people actually didn't think I would be able to do it, including my mom, surprisingly. But I am going in my third year now, so it's pretty exciting. So exciting. Um, and so for those of you who don't know, Sabrina um, has pretty much been um, gluten-free her whole life. She has celiac disease. And you were diagnosed, Sabrina, how old were you when you were officially diagnosed with celiac disease? Uh, I was diagnosed at six. Yes, so, um, you know, your perspective, Sabrina, is one that is, is different from most of us, um, at least for myself. I was diagnosed kind of very late in life um, when I was a young adult, and most of the people who I know and who we've actually spoke to throughout this season are people who have been diagnosed um, pretty late in their life. But you, being someone who has had it pretty much your whole life, being six years old when you were diagnosed, Talk a little bit about um, your experience with being a person who has celiac disease and kind of how that how that impacted um, your kind of upbringing um, and kind of being school age and, and challenges that you can kind of remember um, or were there challenges? I guess I can ask you um, being someone who's had it for most of their life. Um, yeah. Well, first when we first heard that I was diagnosed, like. It wasn't a herd of, like, disease, so my whole family was just, like, confused and did a lot of research, and we went through and threw out, like, a lot of gluten that was in our cupboards, and my mom had to learn how to make food, like, differently, and it was kind of a struggle for my family, like, not just me, because everyone's life had to change around it, I guess. Um, and then going to school, um, since I was six years old, I brought my lunch every day. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there's like a law or something, I guess, that the school has to like cater to celiac disease because it's like a disability, I guess. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I never really contacted my school about it just because it was just easier to bring my own lunch. Right. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, there was, well, like in elementary school, I guess it's easier once I got into high school but in elementary school, it was um, kind of like you still had, like, birthday parties you went to, and you had to bring, like, your own food or, like, call ahead and see what they're having or, like, birthdays celebrated at school. They'd bring in cupcakes, and then I would I would either, like, bring in food ahead of time if I was warned or I just wouldn't eat anything and, like, I don't know, just, like, little things that you don't really think impact a child, but, like, once you really think about it, they do. Right. Well, you know, that's super huge, especially when you're in school. People who are listening to the podcast or who listen regularly who have school-age children, I know that um, a lot of our listeners and followers um, are actually moms and parents who um, they themselves don't have celiac disease, but they have children who do and children who are in school. So I know that that impacts greatly kind of how they um, interact with, you know, peers and, and teachers and other parents in their communities. Um, and just before you kind of move on, move along your journey, Sabrina, just for those of us, those listening who, um, to speak to what Sabrina talked about, the law. So 
the law that she's talking about is um, the 504, a 504 plan. And so those of you who may not know, um, Section 504 um, was amended to the, or part of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, which promises that people who are students who, Americans who have disabilities are um, federally protected um, so that a 504 plan would then be enacted so that the school can arrange accommodation for your child's gluten intolerance or celiac disease. So um, basically that means that schools have to provide um, equal access to students who have a celiac disease or gluten intolerance um, medically, um, and that might be um, equal access to food in the cafeteria, that might be excused absences from activities um, where there might be gluten-containing foods or materials, um, preventing cross-contamination in the cafeteria or in the classrooms. You know, like a student like Sabrina um, might need to have a personal microwave to heat up a home-brought lunch um, or be able to have certain bathroom privileges that other students do not have. Basically, any any way in which um, the celiac diagnosis could impact the student's education, the school would have to provide a special accommodation for that um, from the from the federal government. So that's kind of a little bit about that. And you can learn more about um, a 504 plan and celiac disease specifically by visiting celiac.org, which is the Celiac Disease Foundation's website. And they have a specific section about um, how to go about getting a 504 plan if you are a parent or someone who has school-aged children and are interested in learning about more about how the school can accommodate your child. Because like Sabrina mentioning, I think a lot of times parents and schools just don't know um, that this is available. Um, and like Sabrina's kind of talking, speaking to, a lot, of, a lot of things like birthday parties and other types of things that happen in classrooms, um, these are things that happen so often that you don't even think about how your child might be negatively impacted. So, Sabrina, um, so, do you think that, you know, your teachers, you know, peers, other parents um, were supportive of you having a celiac diagnosis? Uh, yeah, a lot of my teachers in elementary school, my mom would, like, email them saying I had a gluten-free diet and to let her know whenever we were doing something with food and they would let her know. And um, I remember in high school I had home and careers where we would make food and my teacher helped me adjust all the recipes and my group that I was with made gluten-free versions of the food and, I don't know, just, like, small things like that. Absolutely. Um, small things that kind of really seem small but really aren't so small because, you know, I know for me, Sabrina, even being someone who was diagnosed late in life, because so much of what we do um, as people, as communities, as um, individuals revolve around food, you know, we, cele we celebrate with food, we mourn with food, et cetera, um, sometimes you can feel very isolated and, and like, you know, when you go to a gathering or go to a birthday party or whatever, or go to a Christmas party, there's there's usually not a lot of options for you. Right. I know I felt like that as an adult. So I couldn't imagine what it might feel like as a child having, you know, the diagnosis. And I know that that's, that was a big part of what you see and what I've seen being a part of the Celiac Strong Camp 
um, that community aspect and it really being like for those those days in the summer that the camp is run, you know, all the food is gluten free. Um, and so that that's one part that you don't have to worry about and you right. don't even realize the weight that you have um, until you don't have to worry about it, you know. And so I know that's something that I took great note of being a participant um, and, and a demonstrator at Celiac Strong Camp, but I know that you firsthand experienced a lot of that being um, the founding person of of your camp um, and then really working with students and kids who, who are, you know, are different than other people because of their celiac diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah, um, we definitely like to, um, like, tell people, like, when your kids come here, they're, like, on a break from the real world, I guess you could say, like, all the stress that comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Sabrina, do you remember, you know, what resources your mother used, you know, when you were diagnosed, you talked about, you know, they did a lot of research on what celiac disease was. Um, talk a little bit about, like, leading up to your diagnosis, like, what was going on with you medically that that kind of led to you being diagnosed with celiac disease? Um, so I, when I was about five or four years old, I was, like, constantly sick, constantly throwing up. I was, like, very, very thin, um, and I was getting sent home from school, like, every day, or I just didn't come for long amounts of time. We went to my doctor, like, all of the time, and my doctor just kept saying I had separation anxiety from my mom, and we just kept running a bunch of blood tests, and nothing was coming back, and then um, after, like, months of this happening, and my doctor just diagnosing me with separation anxiety, I got a doctor, when my doctor wasn't at work that day, I got a different doctor, and he was telling us that there's, like, a very small chance that I could have some disease called celiac disease, and he could run a blood test and see if I had it, and right. sure enough, I had it. So how many doctors did it take to kind of get to that before someone finally kind of understood and, and went there? Um, well, there was my, like, pa pediatrician, there was my school nurse, like, my dentist could have caught on because I have decayed, I have, like, a spot on my tooth that's decayed from celiac disease. I have, like, all the blood work that was done. I don't, there's just so much. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so once, once that happened, do you, do you think, um, did your medical professional provide any, you know, a lot of support that was, like, actual, actually beneficial for your, your mom um, and everyone that was kind of trying to learn how, like, kind of what, what that all meant for you medically? Uh, I don't really remember what, like, my doctor was telling my family and I, after I was diagnosed, I, I know we got a different doctor after everything happened, but um, my mom got most of her research offline and out, out of books that she would get. Absolutely. Yeah, I know, and I, and I think that's, that's the route that most families and individuals have to go. You know, usually yeah. the diagnosis just really comes pretty point blank. You know, this is what it is, and you kind of just are sent on your way, and you really don't know where to start, where to begin, how to, right. you know, 
change your lifestyle, change how you cook, how you eat, um, then you really have to kind of be your own self-advocate where, 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 where that's concerned. Um, do you remember any anything, like, any, any time that your mom was, like, particularly um, not upset but just, like, frustrated by um, how your family kind of adapted with your diagnosis, Sabrina? Um, I don't, I think my mom was good at concealing that if she ever did because she never really expressed to me that part. I mean, I'm sure it was, like, frustrating to have to, like, switch her way of making food and, like, recipes not working out. I knew that was frustrating for her and stuff like that and Absolutely. not having options for me. How about, you know, kind of, um, from your perspective as a, you know, a young person, did you ever at any time feel like different from your friends and, and other family members once you got your diagnosis? Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, a lot of my friends stopped, like, inviting me to sleep over because they didn't know how to handle the situation. And, like, I know like, even one of my aunts, my cousin told me that my aunt was, like, afraid to invite me to stay at their house because she didn't know what to do for my food. And, like, I can just bring my own food. I don't know. Like, it's not that big of a deal if they just ask. And um, people are just always so scared of, like, cross-contamination. And, like, I'm, it is, like, a big deal, but I feel like people kind of think it's, like, like the devil or something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I don't know. yeah. I just, I get treated a little bit differently. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's unfortunate. I think people, some people, most people come from a really good place of concern with that. Right, um, right. But I do wish sometimes that people, instead of kind of just, like, not calling or, or stop, not inviting you, would just kind of reach out just to learn a little bit more on how they could be more supportive. Because once you, once you know, it's it's really not, you, you don't have to make so much, you don't have to change as much as you think you have to change. Yeah. But the only way to know that is to actually talk to someone or do a little bit of research on your own. Um, yeah. But, you know, we could talk forever about that. So, you know, you were, you're a young person, you're younger, young, you know, six years old, you're diagnosed, um, you're going through your primary stages into high school, et cetera. Um, talk a little bit about kind of your high school experience, Sabrina. I know, obviously, um, when you go to high school, starting, you know, some schools is eighth grade, ninth grade, that's like a big change um, on its own. Do you think, of course, your perspective is one you, you, you kind of always had celiac disease, so you wouldn't know any other perspective. Do you think that your high school experience was any more challenging, in a, you know, with you having celiac disease than anyone else who may not have celiac disease, I guess? Uh, yeah, I guess I would say it was definitely more challenging because in high school, it was different than elementary school. My I don't have a middle school. That's why I'm, like, skipping it. Um, but in elementary school, my mom would, like, email the teachers for me. And in high school, it was kind of my responsibility. And I didn't really, like, go out of my way to tell the teachers I couldn't have gluten. And then they would, like, bring in some sort of, like, cake. I remember one of my teachers brought in for, like, a demonstration, and then everyone ate it. I don't know, stuff like that. And, like, 
I could have obviously, like, prevented that, but I didn't. But it, it kind of stops bothering you after a while just because you're kind of used to it. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, things like that. And then there's, like, pizza parties. Like, that's always kind of a pain because then you have to go and, like, ask the teacher, like, oh, do you think you could order a gluten-free pizza, too? And, like, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, just kind of you put your, you, you're you're put on the spot sometimes, and I guess if you haven't been upfront about it, it can be kind of awkward, like coming coming to that like at some point in the year randomly, and it's like, oh, why didn't you tell me earlier? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I could definitely see that. So, Sabrina is now. Yeah, we've just kind of done like a really fast track through her adolescence. Um. You just started, well, this is your, I guess, well, you're going to be starting the second semester of your your, your freshman year of college. Um, you're at a school that's um, in the North Chile region of yep. um, New York. And I know when when you started school and, and last summer talking to your mom, um, there was definitely some discussion about your celiac diagnosis, even when you were in the deciding factor on where you'd go to school. Speak a little bit about, you know, your decision to attend the college that you're currently attending, how how your celiac diagnosis impacted that decision. Um, well, I visited a lot of colleges, and while I was visiting, my mom would break off the tour group and go chat with the cafeteria people, see what options there might be. And most of the schools, honestly, I mean, they have options, but it's not, like, a wide variety. Um, I know there are a couple of colleges that were pretty good. I know um, SUNY Fredonia, I think, was pretty good, and Ithaca. But I went to a couple others, and they weren't that great. Um, and then I got to Roberts, and... That's where I'm going now. Um, I really only picked it because of the music program. I didn't really, I didn't worry too much about the food because I figured I would either have a meal plan where there was gluten-free food or I could make my own food with the kitchen. Um, So now that I'm here, I do have a meal plan, um, but sometimes the food, there aren't that many choices. Like we'll have one choice, or you can make a sandwich kind of thing, or I can just make food in my dorm room. Like, there are just not nearly as many options for me as there are for other kids. Right. It's kind of hard because a lot of people here don't understand that it's kind of frustrating for me. So it's difficult in that way. Absolutely. You know, and, and your freshman year at any school, you know, kind of being just like a really pivotal year um, as a young adult and being out on your own more so than you ever have in your life. Um, it, it's, it's unfortunate that for as prevalent as gluten-free, the gluten-free diet and lifestyle has become that there's still a lot that needs to happen when it comes to um, colleges just across our country kind of really being um, having an advocate or advocacy group on campuses that kind of speak to people who not only have celiac disease but even other disabilities um, or food intolerances. I think, again, you know, food is a major part of 
of every college experience and, and having a meal plan, et cetera. And it's too bad that people who have celiac disease or other food intolerances aren't able to be part of the conversation when it comes to developing meal plans or just the, the types of options that you have. And it seems like you really had to, as most of us always have to do, um, really be your own advocate and take and bear a lot of the responsibility of making sure that you, you have healthy and safe options for yourself. Would you say that that's pretty correct? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I like to definitely see um, more schools really step up and create even like a director of food intolerance or just some type of a position, whether it be student-led or um, student and, you know, faculty-led so that these types of things or conversations don't just fall on the backs of the student. You know, I think right. that that's something that I'd like to definitely see. And, and, I, and I have also discussed a lot, a lot of that um, on the Gluten-Free Chef blog, and even with your mom, Sabrina, um, as you kind of started your college experience. And it, it, it always is like when you have celiac disease, each, each milestone that you have in life, you have to add the gluten-free element to it, and you, you just don't know how it's going to be until you're in and until you're, like, in the moment. Um, yeah. So, you know, would you say that um, you've gotten pretty savvy? Talk about how, because you've had to be your own self-advocate, now that you're a young adult in college, what are some of the things that you have done just so that you can have a a positive experience um, in your first year of college being someone who has celiac disease? Um, well, I I keep most of the food that's in my fridge that I have in my room is breakfast food because I know, like I've learned that breakfast in our dining hall, they don't have many options besides two types of cereal for us. So instead of going there and like wasting a meal or something, I can just get something out of my fridge that's actually worth the swipe. And um, then for, like, lunch, I I guess I, like, find out from my friends what might be in the cafeteria. I don't know. It depends on the day, I guess. Sometimes I, I know I can always rely on the cafeteria for, like, a sandwich. So if I don't have something for lunch, I'll just go get a sandwich from there. Um, but a lot of times for dinner, the food isn't that great, so I'll just make food in my dorm. Like, I'll make Annie's macaroni and cheese, or, like, I get, like, frozen sausage and make, like, spaghetti um, and pasta sauce and, like, throw in sausage and, like, mm -hmm. little meals, like the frozen meals. I don't know, things like that. And then sometimes Absolutely. I can even, like, convince my friends to go to lunch or dinner or something. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like to me that you're, like, doing a lot of cooking that most young adults, people in college studying their first year don't do, which is actually a good, good thing when you think about it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the people in my um, dorm building don't use the kitchen nearly as much as I do. Right, exactly. So, you know, that kind of gives you um, an added... I think it's a good thing to be able to cook for yourself and I think that it's a skill that a lot of people 
don't develop early on in life. And I think one of the benefits if you always, you know, I think, you know, here in our community, we really always try to um, look at things from a from a, as most of a positive perspective as possible. And the fact that you you kind of almost are forced to really understand food and cook it yourself um, is a benefit. And I think that you it sounds like you really use that to your advantage. Um, what are some of the the brands that you that you would say are that you would recommend to other young adults or college age students who may be going off to college um, that you really like, enjoy personally, just kind of from a personal standpoint? Um, I definitely like the box candies, macaroni and cheese, and I know they have like little microwavable packets too. So if you want like a quick little thing, you can use that. Um, for breakfast, I usually just have like yogurt or I have um, instant oatmeal that I make and I have like a little self-heating tea kettle that I can use for that. Um, my The brand that I have for the oatmeal is Chex, but I think they discontinued that actually. Mm, okay. Reason. But I I like stocked up on it, so now I have like ten boxes of that in my room. Um. Hmm. What else do I really? I like the uh, kind bars. Oh yeah, I love those. Yep. Yeah, they have. Um, my favorite kind is the popped dark chocolate with sea salt. I like carry those around with me all the time. Absolutely. Um, I think I think that's a like those are my main things that I stick to. Yeah, it's just you know there's there's a lot of great convenience brands that you mentioned, Annie, the kind, Sabrina, and I think you know um there are more. I mean, there's just I, I mean I find brands being a food blogger every day, uh, and, and even. In our local area, Wegmans is a great. Um, they've they've really expanded their gluten free options. Both yeah. those that are like Wegmans branded and other national brands, and so pretty much any Wegmans you go to in our area, you can find a plethora of snack type foods and on the go mm-hmm. snacks that you know are healthy as well. That you know, Kind bars I would say are, are pretty healthy, being like nut based that you can there's really great options but even even the brands that have been around for a while like Udi's with their bread this yeah. weekend this weekend I just they just they have they've they've updated their bread recipe and I think it's like a soft soft and chewy bread and it's much better than they had previously and even I've noticed that and I've been um kind of using Udi's and eating Udi's for a while now and They've taken the feedback from those of us in the community over the years, and um, they've they've improved their products. So even for the brands that have been um, in existence for a while, like Udi's or Glutino, they're constantly changing their recipes and tweaking them so that we can we can get products that are as close to what we are used to eating um, as possible. So that's a really great thing about. Um, being in the, in the celiac community, you know, we really do have a voice because more and more companies are realizing that um, there's a lot of money to be made in the celiac community, and we really want products that we that are that are kind of 
to a high standard, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Now, I want to kind of bring it back around, Sabrina, to Celiac Strong Camp. Um, for those people who are listening, you founded the camp, I think, um, was it 2013, was it? Um, 14. 14. So this is going on, the, I think, the third year of it. Mm-hmm. How do people go about learning a little bit more about Celiac Strong Camp and um, kind of registration-wise, et cetera? Talk a little bit about that for this 2016 season? Um, so our website is org, and there you can find all the information of like what activities we do and past years. Like You can see the photos. You can see menus from past years. Um, you can see some of the staff that's at the camp. And um, on the registration tab, It'll give you all the information needed for registering. Um, The registration opens February 1st. Camp is from July 24th to the 27th this year, which is a Friday to a Wednesday. Or not a Friday, a Sunday to a Wednesday. Um, And kids, both boys and girls, 7 to 16, can register. Absolutely. And... Just to speak um, on the camp uh, for the listeners, for the last two years, I have been a demonstrator um, for Celiac Strong Camp in which I come and put on a cooking demonstration for the campers and the staff. And it's just been an amazing experience to see so many individuals, young people kind of in one setting who who live gluten-free because of celiac disease. And so that's really great to see. And just the organization that Sabrina and her mom, Chris, have um, put this camp together in a really organized and really just awesome fashion. For for it being a a camp that's kind of really in its infancy stages, even from the first year, the organization of it was just like bar none. And I think... when you're talking about summer camps and whether it's gluten-free or not, I think that Celiac Strong Camp is definitely one of the better top-tier summer camps, I would say. And for those of you who are listening now, is the camp open to pretty much any anyone who's 7 to 16, Sabrina, um, in the United States? Yeah, it is. Um, but we, like, if we have a kid on the waiting list or something that has celiac and someone that's registered that doesn't, we would probably, like, switch it around just because they yeah. have preference. Right, right. So those who have a, a celiac diagnosis or gluten sensitivity obviously have preferential yeah. placement. Um, registration for this year starts February 1st, which is in a few weeks. And yep. Um, the camp you said, can you repeat the dates again for those of us who are listening, Sabrina? July 24th to the 27th. July 24th through 27th. And, um, you know, just talk about, about some of the activities that have really been a hit with the campers over the, these past few years, Sabrina. Um, I know the kids, we've done tie-dyeing both years, and I know the kids really enjoy doing that for arts and crafts. Um, the kids also are obsessed with a game called Gaga. We cannot get them, like, out of the Gaga pit to stop okay. them for another activity. Um, last year they really liked 
this program, um, it was like a bubble program where uh, my actual, like, they were Girl Scout leaders from my council came down and helped and ran a program where kids got to play with different kinds of bubbles, and the kids really liked that. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, I'm just trying to think of, I mean, we have, like, swimming and boating, too. Mm-hmm. Swimming, boating, I mean, of, of course, your typical um, summer camp experiences. Um, and, and where is the, the Celiac John Camp located, Sabrina? This summer it's going to be in Ithaca. Ithaca, New York, which um, Ithaca is the home of Cornell College. Yeah. Um, and kind of in the, well, let me see, when you say, is it the southern, more southern part of New York State? I'm not really sure. <laughs> me either. I'm, I'm trying to pull up a map here as we as we chat. Um, but Ithaca is a, it's a really nice um, college-esque town, and um, the camp is, like, nestled in the, the woods of Ithaca. Yeah. And it's just really beautiful um, on the lake. And um, last year, the last few, two years, the weather has just been beautiful um, for the for the celiac strong camp. Yeah, we really lucked out with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, wonderful. So, for those of you who are listening, you can go to celiacstrongcamp.org. Registration for the 2016 season begins on February 1st, and this year's dates are July 24th through 27th, 2016. Um, and it says that the camp will be about $160 per camper. Um, you have, do you typically, Sabrina, have like um, sponsorship opportunities for um, or like scholarships for some campers? Yeah, we have a couple. I think like two or three maybe um, opportunities where kids can go on. It's under the registration tab near the bottom of the page where mm -hmm. kids can apply to get a paid, like paid um, registration to go to camp. Wonderful. And and I've really, you know, when, I, when Sabrina reached out to me um, two or three, almost three years ago now, um, I jumped at this opportunity to support Celiac Strong Camp. Obviously, the Gluten Free Chef blog and brand has been a supporter from the inception um, and really um, bringing awareness to celiac disease and really just um, opportunities like Celiac Strong Camp to really gather and bring together those who um, live a gluten-free lifestyle for whatever reason um, and really show that, you know, Kids and children who have celiac disease are just like any other children, um, and they, they want to be able to partake in the same opportunities and experiences that, that most most children like to partake in, um, and summer camp being one of them, and the fact that Sabrina made Celiac Strong Camp part of her Girl Scout um, Gold Award, and then it's been able to kind of sustain itself for, for almost three years now. It's just nothing short of amazing, and just the advocacy work that you do, Sabrina, and awareness that you bring to celiac disease through celiac strong camp. I think it's just um, it's really great because we don't we typically don't see a lot of young people at the face of celiac disease, and I think it's important for listeners to know and, and other people that that celiac disease often affects more children than we know, and so especially now 
when we talk about GMOs and just, you know, kind of all of the things that are kind of in the media now about how our food is being grown and how it's being prepared and, and more and more people being affected with this autoimmune illness at a younger and younger age, I think it's going to be something that um, as a nation we're going to have to continue to speak to and have resources for like still the on camp. So, um I just can't say enough great things about what you're doing, Sabrina, and Thank you. Um, definitely being a face for celiac disease. Um, but I definitely think um, I want to wrap this episode of the podcast up. Um, Sabrina, do you have any just, like, final words of just encouragement for young people listening who are, are kind of dealing with celiac disease? What, what would you kind of want to say as, like, final words to those who are listening? I guess it's just important for kids to know that they're not alone in having celiac disease, and it's not a weird thing. They're completely normal, and things, as you get older, they get easier, and they get better, and people are coming out with new products, like, more and more. So in, like, 10 years, I can't even imagine how much gluten-free food we're going to have available to us. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think, like you said, the biggest, the biggest takeaway is just like you said, that you're not alone. Um, I think one of the best things, um, to do if you are someone young who has celiac disease is trying to connect with some type of an online support group with like your, your parent involved, um, whether that be through Facebook, if you are someone who is on Facebook, um, or just connecting um, in your in your hometown, or if you can connect with someone who's been a part of Celiac Strong Camp, I think um, having a support group or just someone that you can talk to to kind of just share experiences and share frustrations with is really it's really vital. Um, yeah, there are tons of food blogs that are um, specific to families and young people who have celiac disease. Particularly, um, the the patientceliac.com is one of them. Um, Circleofmoms.com is another food blog that um, speaks to celiac disease. Glutendude.com is another one, and Beyond Celiac. Um, and really, if you just Google like kids and celiac disease, you will stumble upon, of course, celiac strong hands. Um, and, and some of the other blogs that I've mentioned. Um, and as well as the Gluten-Free Chef blog, I think the Gluten-Free Chef blog is really great when it comes to looking for recipes that are really kid-friendly and family-friendly. Um, we try to um, curate a, a host of, of recipes that can be um, done by young people who are interested in cooking, those who have celiac disease specifically, like Sabrina mentioned. You definitely have to be open-minded and courageous enough to kind of jump into the kitchen at a really young age. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we have the cooking demonstrations at the camp so that young people can see how easy it is to prepare, you know, simple desserts and simple meals that um, are kid-friendly, things like chicken nuggets and brownies. Yeah, um, I know the kids really love the cooking demonstrations every year. Yeah, it, it's one of the highlights of my year as well. Um, and even, like, granola is really simple and easy to do. Um, with just things that you kind of already have in your pantry most of the time, 
um, I think is is really great to see that. Um, so yeah, look, thank you, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being a guest co-host and kind of interviewee here on the podcast. Well, thanks for asking me. Absolutely. Um, we will continue to follow your journey um, through Celiac Strong Camp. Um, and just as we wrap up, just kind of plug again, Sabrina, um, how individuals can go about finding more about you, your story, and Celiac Strong Camp. Um, we can, you can go to celiacstrongcamp.org, and you can look at the registration tab to register, and there's a Meet the Founder tab if you want to know more about me. And you can feel free to even email me straight from the website if you want to talk or have any questions. Awesome. And we also you're also on Facebook under the Celiac Strong Summer Camp if you go on yeah. Facebook. You can find um, some real-time links and just promotion for the, the February 1st um, registration, which um, this podcast will be airing live on February 1st to coincide with um, the registration of Celiac Strong Camp. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So um, those people who are listening, um, you can register today, which is really <laughs> great. So, um, Sabrina, thank you so much for being on with the podcast again. Um, I am so happy to have been able to connect with you um, finally again here um, and really happy that this podcast is the one that um, definitely is, is recorded and kind of will be around for forever. Um, for those of you who are um, new to the podcast, you can listen to more of the Access Gluten Free Chef podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes under Ask the Gluten-Free Chef. Um, you can also find out more about um, the Gluten-Free Chef blog on Facebook under the Gluten-Free Chef blog and under, um, on what is it, Instagram. There's so many social media sites, Sabrina. I can't even keep up with them all. Um, but we are on Instagram under the Gluten-Free Chef blog as well as Pinterest and Twitter under Gluten-Free Chef 5. And before I forget, um, Celiac Strong will also be represented in um, at the Rochester Gluten-Free Health and Wellness Expo, which is here in Rochester on May 21st, 2016, um, at the Peters Family Life Center in Henrietta. Um, the expo is a um, gluten-free specific, really like a wellness fair, where there will be a collection of gluten-free vendors and brands from all over the nation and local businesses who are um, really doing things in the celiac community and are celiac friendly because I think it's really important for um, people to know what resources are available to them in our, in our community and also nationwide. And so Celiac um, Strong Camp will have a vendor booth at the Rochester Health and Wellness Expo on May 21st. But um, you can learn more about that expo at Rock the Gluten Tree Expo dot com and how you can register for the event, which is free and open to anyone, whether you have celiac disease or not. Um, there'll be tons of samples, and there'll be a thing. There'll be things like um, a photo booth and face painting, etc. So it's really a fun event for um, the whole family. So that will happen on May 21st. And again, like I said, um, celiac strong camp will be represented at the Health and Wellness Expo on May 21st. So um. Again, thanks so much, Sabrina. Um, we hope that you have a, an amazing rest of your freshman year. Thank um, at you. Roberts. 
and um, we look forward to seeing you this summer um, at Celiac Strong Camp. Um, Thank so you. this is Calvin and Sabrina signing out of Absolute Free Chef Podcast. Everyone, um, whenever, wherever you're listening and whenever that is, we hope that you have an awesome rest of your day um, and continue to be celiac strong. Bye, Sabrina. Bye. Okay, bye, everyone.